Welcome the founder and host of BuddyCast, Nick Sorensen. Adio, buddyos. It's time for another episode of everybody's favorite show, BuddyCast. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen. And joining me today is a very special buddy, a new buddy, DJ Tony. How you doing, Tony? Nick, I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And by the way, I need to get an intro like you get. <laughs> I love Everyone it. Loves it. Everyone loves I it. You know, love it. Well do done. You know, um, do you know Tommy Link by chance? Uh, you know, the name musician. sounds very familiar. Yes. Yes. Local musician. Highly recommended. I just, I wanted something to give you that little warm up, you know, that little, like, this is going to be a fun show. This is going to be a thing, you know? Absolutely. And hey, love if it. you're... If you're gonna do our wedding, you know, you, you gotta play. You gotta play the song at the wedding, you know. More than appreciated, yes, for sure. Yes. So first, Tony, I gotta ask, what inspired you to become a DJ? You know, Nick, this is a, a very interesting question uh, that I've been asked uh, by many people. So I will be very honest, and I and I tell this to everybody that originally, back before this, this I even came about any of this. I never thought I was going to be a DJ ever. It was never a thought in my brain saying, you know what, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. This is going to be my big boy job kind of thing. Um, it, it really, I kind of fell into it, to be very honest. It was something that I was asked to do. I had no clue what I was doing. And when I did it, for some reason, somehow, I don't know, the way the wind was blowing that day, I did this event when I was in high school and apparently knocked it out of the park. And everybody was coming up, giving me high fives, Tony B, like, amazing, amazing show. Like, you know, you should you should DJ all of our school dances. And I'm thinking, what? Me? So, you know, it was something that I kind of took on and thought, well, this is kind of cool, like playing music and you know, my era, we we started on vinyl and CDs. You know, there, there really were not computers in, in downloading MP3s, MP4s like there is now. So it was a total different time when when I started. But really, to, to answer your question, yes, it uh, I kind of fell into it. Um, I, I very much am glad that I did because I don't know what else I'd be doing. I mean, I, I do other things, but yeah, it uh, I'm glad that I'm here. But it was very interesting how it all transpired happened. Mm-hmm. I will say vinyl's making a comeback, you know? <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, we, um, we, we put a, where, where I work during the day, we, we put a lot of, um, you know, record players in, um, some, some phono players is what we call them. And it, it really is. People have these unbelievable vinyl collections today. And some of the stuff, I mean, they're classics. And you cannot buy some of this stuff today. I have a friend mm-hmm. who is huge into Prince. He's a local DJ and he probably has every single Prince album on vinyl stuff that you can't even buy here in the United States. And it's unbelievable, but no vinyl truly is making a comeback. Mm-hmm. And those records are going to be worth something one day. I'm telling you, you know, Absolutely they are take care of them, you know, store them correctly, make sure they're upright. Don't lay them down. I mean, definitely. Yes. There's a very distinct sound with vinyl that you cannot create. No. 
digital cassettes, CD, anything. Very interesting sound of vinyl. No, sir. So tell us about that first gig you mentioned, or even to the first when you decided, hey, I'm going professional, and then your first gig, you know? So my first gig was I was a junior in high school. And how, and actually, we're going to combine a couple of your questions here. Like, how did I fall into this and my first gig? So first gig I ever did in high school, junior year, we had, um, I went to Fairview High School, graduated class of 2000. We were hosting district chorus. And my teacher, who was the advisor, uh, Mrs. Lori Hitt, she hired a DJ. To this day, I don't know who it was. Not sure. It doesn't matter. And I think about two days prior, this DJ just bails, says, I can't make the dance. So of course, you know, it's like all hands on deck, panic. And uh, what, what are we going to do? And I used to make mixtapes uh, or mix CDs in, in school. And I would you know, sell them, I guess, you know, make five bucks. Uh, and uh, Lori Hitt came over and she's like, Tony, you know a lot about music, don't you? And I'm like, well, I think so, maybe. She's like, great. You're DJing the dance on Friday. Wait, what? You DJ the dance? that is so i end up djing this first dance i had a lot of help a great team behind me that put a sound system together i had lighting uh kind of coached me a little i mean i'm not gonna lie i was the most shyest person to talk on a microphone and it's weird today because now it's like second nature you just pick up a mic i can stand in front of thousands of people and talk but that specific day i'll never forget it i went to pick up that microphone and i'm like Oh, good afternoon, you know, ladies and gentlemen here from your high school. You know, trying to not really say anything. And because I was scared, I was nervous. I was kind of embarrassed. Like, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm just throwing this together. So I do this event. It was a three-hour dance. The end of that, kids were coming up and just saying, this was amazing. This was the best dance ever. We we go to school dances all the time. You're an amazing DJ. And I'm going, I'm, I'm not a DJ. Like, I just filled in. Like, I, I don't even know what I'm doing. So I, I kind of took it on because as going back to school that Monday and classmates of mine and, and other grades as well were like, oh, dude, that dance was, was incredible. So I then started actually doing our after football dances on Friday. And I really enjoyed doing it. And then trying to meet other kids from other schools. They're like, hey, there's this young kid who's inspired to be a DJ. We should have him at our school. So I then started to do other schools and then, you know, just in contacts that you have worked my way into the first bar that I did was Scorchers. This is, this mm. is going to date. If you remember, that is um, so Scorchers was in Erie and I took this bar on. I think I was 17. Give or take. I wasn't even old enough to drink. And of course, I couldn't leave my, my DJ booth area right there. But I started doing the bar scene and, you know, in high school, you're making phenomenal money and you're like, this is crazy and had a, a great turnout. You know, there's, people were coming to the bar. People were enjoying the music. I was, was meeting other DJs and just things exploded from there. And again, I never thought even to this day that um, this month, actually February is my 25th year as a DJ. Never did I think that my company would make it this far when you start anything out, you're thinking, well, this is kind of like a hobby. This is just something fun to do. And you're making a few bucks as you go. You're meeting really nice people along the way. But you do take it very seriously. And it is 
uh, a job. I mean, this is something that you are doing private events, you are doing corporate events, you are doing school events, uh, you're doing people's weddings. And these are very serious events to where, you know, you're not looking at it as it's a hobby anymore. This is a the real deal. You are a professional DJ and you can either make or break someone's day. And the last thing you want to do is break someone's day because bad news, as we all know, travels way faster than anything. And that's never what you want. Exactly. So tell us about those services. You mentioned you do weddings. You mentioned you do grad parties, you know, all that stuff like school dances. Tell us about some of your services. So weddings is probably the biggest thing that I do now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a lot older than I was 20 years ago starting out. And the school dances, I still am in it a little bit here and there. Um, I don't do many schools anymore. Really, those events, I would say, are more geared towards the younger DJs, the up-and-coming guys that are coming in. You have to start somewhere. And to to roll and and buy yourself a set of equipment and say, I'm going to go just go do weddings, I think you're risking a lot because you really, if you don't know what you're doing, you could severely mess up somebody's big day that only happens once. So I've done the school dances. I do a lot of corporate events for a lot of big companies around Erie area and surrounding areas, weddings, of course. So it's it's really good what I do. But then I also am into lighting as well. I do a lot of, of course, uplighting, intelligent lighting. I work for Grise Audiovisual. So we are a professional stage lighting production house. So I do this on many different levels and scales. So it's pretty cool. Nice. Nice. Now, how would you assist someone in their wedding process? Like someone hires you to do a wedding. What are your, what are your go-to moves? Like, what are your, um, like, how do you help them with their needs? So what I have learned is bride and groom, when you sit down with them, they have a million decisions to make and not just me as a DJ, as a vendor, they're sitting down with many vendors. And I get that. There are professionals for every part of your wedding from the cake, the flowers, the DJ, the photography, um, photo booths or lighting above and beyond what a DJ can do. So being that that couple is sitting down and meeting with you, which again is one of many, you want to make the process as easy as possible and simple for them so that the decisions when they are going home, they're not beating their heads together going, oh my goodness, like this is going to take us four hours to figure this all out for the DJ. So what I always like to do is I always like to meet with my bride and grooms right off the bat and say, hey guys, let's let's meet out um, you know, at their, their location of choice, whatever makes them feel the most comfortable. And I have a whole folder of information that I have designed and put together for them. So in that folder that helps them with the entire planning process of their ceremony and or reception is a wedding planner that I have designed. So I tell them all the time, and like my, my famous line is, guys, I've done all the hard work for you. It's literally fill in the blank, circle some yes and no's. I want this process to be very easy, very simple, but also that they see what I see. I see what what you would see as a, as a customer. And the breakdown of it makes it nice and simple because this way, when they open the sheet and are looking at this, they're going, oh, wow, you know, I didn't, I didn't even think that I would, I would need a song for the cake cutting or, geez, I didn't even uh, think about an anniversary dance or, oh, the photo challenge. What is that? So there's a lot of really cool things that, this sheet, when I give it and sit down with the bride and groom and go over it with them, 
it, it really kind of gets their brains going. And they're like, wow, we didn't know we could do all this. This is awesome. This is great. Instead of just talking to them, not giving them any hard copies or the thing that I really dislike the most is when I hear, oh, you know, just, just go to my website and download this form on here and, and do this and that. The, the personalization is gone. And maybe I'm old school, but I love, I very much love and enjoy sitting down with my clients and having that one-on-one. You are the biggest part of anybody's big day at a wedding. And I get it. The flowers are important. The photographer is important. The cake's important. Everything's important. But as the DJ to anybody, you are the master of ceremonies. I mean, you are directing everything that is going on for that day. And from start to finish, you are making this whole thing perfect for them. In this way, they know when things are going to be, letting the guests know exactly what's happening or coming up next and doing all that. And then the biggest thing, too, also would be songs. So I always include the top 200 songs. I update this every quarter of the year. So every three months, this gets updated. But it's another way, too, that the bride and groom can sit down and go, all right, let's choose some music. So I at least give them 200 to get going with. And I tell them, like, hey, guys, you know what? This isn't all you have to choose from. This is just, you know, a very, very small fraction. I want you to go through this list. Cross off things you do not want. We consider those on the do not playlist. Circle, star, highlight. I don't care how they do it. Of things that you want, add to the list if I don't have something on there. But I'm going to have all that music. This is just more of that that major top 200 that really is key songs at wedding receptions. Weddings are all over the place. I mean, all over the world. So the music we hear in Erie, PA is different than what's in Boston or what's on the West Coast or even what's played down in Florida. It's Mm -hmm. different all over the place. So I've always wanted everything to be nice and simple. And again, going home with a blank sheet of paper going, all right, Nick, so I need you guys to create your top 40 for me. And maybe you can come up with the top 40 pretty quick. And that's great. But I've run into occasions where if I was to ask that question and say, all right, I need that top 40. And they're like, they get to song 12 and then they stop and they go, oh, well, now they're calling their mom. They're calling their friends. They're Googling this and they're putting this on Facebook and asking friends on their Instagram for song suggestions. That's too much work. It should never be that way. And that's where the wedding planner and me sitting down with my clients to make this process as simple and easy as possible to help them and assist in their day. So at the end of all of it, it's perfect. I've taken all the stress off and all they do at the end is they're like, Tony, this was the best day. And that is all I ever want to hear. As long as they are smiling, dancing and having a a great time, it's all that matters. Yeah, that is absolutely right. Because you're right. Wedding process from a personal experience does take so much decision about what to do, what to do. It's so easy when it's laid out in front of you. When it's just right there. But you, t- you answered my next question a little bit about selecting the music. What about some of your go-to songs? What are some of your songs that you know, like, this song absolutely is a killer at weddings, or this song <laughs> is, like, works every time, like, gets the crowd in a good mood every time. If they're, like, if they get to that point, if they get to that point where they reach, like, number 12, and it's, like, where do we go from here, you know? Like, what would you right. suggest to them? So music is always going to be based off of what the age group is. So if it's a younger wedding, yes, we're going to have guests from younger, let's just say 16, all the way up to mom and dad, grandma and grandpa. So we always want to make sure that we take care of 
the entire spectrum of age. If we have a, an older wedding, you know, and I shouldn't use the word older, but if we have a wedding that let's say the bride and groom, they're in their, their 50s or 60s, mm-hmm. you know, we're not going to play top 40. You might play some of it, but that's not what the bride and groom is going to want. So music selection is always based off of what my client wants. But as of like the go-to songs, so the line dance songs always seem to be the best to engage with your audience to get them to come out. You know, dancing is a really funny thing because people may not be the best dancers. And again, that's okay. Like nobody's judging. Nobody cares. I mean, I'm not the best dancer out there, but you know what? You get a few drinks in me or, or anybody. I was just about to say that. You got a dancer on the dance floor. You know, it's yeah. all in the fun and how you want to make it. And that's totally okay. Because, you know, I've always been one of those guys that I will look out and be like, man, you know, look at those people. You know, they're having the time of their lives out there and they're dancing and having a great time. And that's what it's really all about. But the line dances really do seem to be the best engaging. So if someone's not a great dancer, they might love to do the line dance. Maybe they like the Cupid shuffle. Maybe they mm-hmm. like the Chuck slide. Uh, or even the electric slide kind of hitting back towards my age and a little bit older, like our parents. And those, they may not come out and shake it down to something else, but the line dances always seem to be the key that you'll get more people out because they know how to do it. They're with their friends. They feel comfortable. They know what's going on and they have a good time. But as for like other songs, um, Michael Jackson songs usually seem to go over very well. He's a real big artist that, Everybody knows all his music's pretty highly like danceable. So mm-hmm. those those tracks usually seem to go over really well with all age groups. Um, your cool in the gangs, uh, your earth, wind and fires. Again, all age groups. They're, they're great, fun songs that you can get your, your, your crowd, your audience to sing with them a little bit, throw their hands up in the air and kind of get that crowd going, uh, getting up more towards like the top 40. I mean, there's a lot of great tracks that are out there. Probably the one that always seems to come to my mind a lot that would get a lot of people out. And again, of all age groups is Usher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is one of those songs that my mom, who is in her mid sixties, like she will get out there because it's a fun song. It's upbeat and you can still jam to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's weird because I do even corporate events. I've actually watched people ballroom dance to usher yeah now i don't know what the exact term dance if it was the rumba or the cha-cha or whatever i'm not all in my ballroom dancing terminology but i watched a couple do this i was like wow like how about that but they know the track and it's it's one of those go-to songs that is awesome you know when you mentioned yeah all i can think of is you've seen the movie hitch right yes all I can think of is that scene when he's teaching them the dance or whatever. You're not doing all this. You're right here. You live. Exactly right. Yeah. Will Smith, he knows it. He does. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And honestly, do you also take requests during weddings? Like, are people able to come up to you and say, like, hey, um, could you play this song by chance? Or do you think you could throw in a little, like, Elton John or Neil Diamond or something like that, you know? Absolutely. And again, that's all based off of the bride and groom. You know, at the end of the day, their wedding, their day. And Mm -hmm. I get it. I have some clients that say, you know what, I would prefer if you do not take requests. Like, this is our music selection. This is what we would like you to to steer by. And that's totally okay. Again, 
They are the ones paying me. I would never argue with anybody. You're always going to have people that do come up and, and try to make a request. And that's totally fine. But I would, I would honestly say probably eight or nine out of 10 times, most requests that people do come up with is something that's going to be played at a wedding anyway. Mm-hmm. Most people know like they're not going to come up and request something completely off the wall that you would not play at a wedding. People are very respectful. They are. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, buddy, I got to ask now, what about your setup? Can you explain your setup to us too? So my setup, uh, I, I'm very blessed actually to have the setup that I have because if I didn't work where I work uh, at Grise Audiovisual, I probably wouldn't be able to afford any of this stuff because I'm able to get it at uh, our costs here at work. So I've always been very big on trying to be as cutting edge as possible, uh, research equipment, have some of the best equipment that's out there because it really does make a big deal on the gear that you use. And I don't want any of my stuff to be cookie cutter to what everybody else has. So audio and and what we see, what we do with concerts and everything else, I use a, a digital line array is what I'm using. So line array technology is basically the same volume in the back of the room is going to be the same volume as people here in the front of the room. Now, I have a very small line array. Uh, DB Technologies is the company that I use. They're the, one of the sister companies to RCF. Phenomenal sounding box. Uh, but a couple of uh, line array boxes up on top. I drop a couple 15 subs on the floor. And I make sure it's tuned every single time because every room is going to be different, the processor. And I think it sounds unbelievable. I mean, it's it's the technology today. Is it probably overkill? Yes. It probably is. And I'm sure that just some, I don't want to say standard speakers, but your normal DJ speakers from Yamaha to JBL, uh, EVs, EAWs would work perfectly fine. But I see what we do here at work and I want to take my setup to a whole different level, which I believe sets me apart from everybody else. Uh, Having a digital line array, being able to drive it, steer it in different directions so that's pretty cool. Microphones, uh, I use all Sennheiser mics. Um, I'm very big and, and weird on like my capsules and using Neumann capsules. Again, is it overkill? Yes. I'm not a rock star belting out crazy music and singing in these. I just talk and MC events, but it's it's a personal thing that, you know what, I want to have a really nice microphone for myself. Lighting is all LED nowadays, uh, and my light shows actually can go in, in different directions. So, you know, a standard light show at a wedding, you have your, your color changers that are, of course, going to flood the dance floor. You have some other moving effects. Then we can go all the way huge and make it look like a nightclub uh, flying truss. I have 18 moving intelligent lights from Elation that they can move around. They can do different patterns and gobos, colors and really trick it out and take the show to a complete different direction if somebody wants something to a light show level like that. If they want production and they want to take it all the way, which I have done many times in the past, and it looks unbelievable. It really does. And it's all custom because I will work that light show around what my bride and groom wants for different effects and different looks when they're doing their first dance or the father, daughter, mother, son dances. So that way the lighting looks like it's, you know, encompassing them coming all the way around and having different gobo spin very slow and a little bit of 
haze in the air that really accentuate the beams and just take it to a whole different direction, make it look really, really cool. So love what I am hearing. Now, buddy, I have two questions left for you to make this an official buddy cast. The first (laughs) one is brought to us by our buddy Jonas Kane from hashtag positivity, which he wants to know in your own words, what does it mean to be someone's buddy? To be someone's buddy, it is, it's a friendship. And this is somebody who you know, you care about, you respect, you would be there for them and would pretty much do anything that they need. You know, there's, there's friends, there's family, there's acquaintances, but to be somebody's buddy, to be someone's pal, I, I really truly believe, you know, this is somebody that you know, you truly care about, you, you love them as a person, and you, you'd be there for them. And and I have many buddies, pals, friends, that I can clearly say that in, in an instant, if they needed something, I'd be there for them. Through good times, bad times, they could be completely wrong. And believe me, there's been times where I've been completely wrong, but that's okay. But that's why they are a buddy of yours. And that you will stand in their corner. You will back them up anytime, any situation that is. I love that answer. And now we come to what's called the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. Are you ready for this one? I am ready. Bring it on me. What is your advice to anybody watching who one day wants to be a DJ? My advice would be if you're going to do it, give it your all. And what I mean by that is your clients are going to know what you put in is exactly what you're going to get out of it. And this is something that I can say that I fought very hard with forever ago when I started is, is this something I want to do? Is it not something I want to do? But really giving it your all is what is going to make you extremely successful And I I feel anybody that has a business, and and I'm not just saying me, that I've been around in the Erie and surrounding areas for 25 years. And and again, I'm very blessed that my company is doing so well and that I'm still able to do this and also compete with every other DJ that is in in the area and again, surrounding areas. Um, But if you give your all, you're going to stand out, you know, make yourself different than everybody else. It's kind of one of those where, uh, I, I guess the best analogy I could use is the squeaky wheel gets greased. So if if you kind of make yourself known, like, hey, this is this is my niche, like this is what I do, and people catch on to that, if you have an amazing product and something that really again sets you apart from everybody else, you're gonna do really well. If you kind of just roll the straight line and you just think like, well, you know, what? I'm just gonna do what I can and and get what I get. I don't really think that. You should be, and and I know this is going to sound terrible to say, but I don't I don't think you should be in the game if you're not mm-hmm. serious. And being that you you do people's events, corporate, personal, school, whatever, you, you want to be giving a superior product every time and giving your best performance every time. Because if not, it's just going to become a waste of money for you. And then you start to think, why did I even do that? Give it's it fun. Definitely say it's a lot of fun. Give it your all and have fun. That's what Absolutely. buddies are all about. Well, buddy, 
thank you so so much for yes, being a buddy. Thank you so much. Yes, stick around for a minute. We'll have we'll chat. Definitely. But before we end this episode, I have one favor to ask you that I ask all my buddies that come on the show. First off, side note: you're not a guest; you're a buddy. You're an official buddy. <laughs> yes. But please, whatever you do today, do me one favor: go be someone's buddy. You got it. Agreed. All right. For all my buddies out here, this is my buddy, DJ Tony. Please, if you're in the Erie area and you need a professional DJ, this is your man. We'll catch you all next time here on everybody's favorite show, BuddyCast. Well, the days are going fast, buddy, buddy, we've got to make them last, buddy, buddy, before they've all gone past. Everybody tune in to Buddy Cast. Don't feel none it can make everybody here on Buddy Cast. Hey buddies, you thinking of starting your own podcast? Why not use Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast, and here's why. First off, it's free. Secondly, you have creation tools to record and edit right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor distributes for you. You can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Fourth, make money with no minimum listenership. And finally, you have everything you need for a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started.